how do you raise an independent child, a child who becomes an independent adult? This is a difficult question, and it's one that we're going to cover today as we answer one of the questions you, our listeners, have presented to us. Stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Hello and welcome to another episode of the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson, and I'm your co-host, Deanne Taylor, and welcome. And we are so excited to be with you today. Thank you for joining us. And Deanne is going to read the actual question that was submitted to us about raising independent kids. Would you read that for us, Deanne? Well, that's what Amy asked us. How about raising independent kids? (laughs) She's like most mothers, how do I do this? I want them to be responsible. I want them to be good adults. But they're my sweet babies and I want to protect them and I don't want them to have those hard times and the failures. But moms, that's how they learn. And you as an adult have learned so much along the way too, as you challenged yourself or been challenged. And sometimes you succeeded the first time through. Sometimes you had to step back and reevaluate and move forward. Same with your children. You know, I I think this is a challenge we all face as mothers because we do have that mothering instinct to just kind of wrap them up in bubble tape and insulate them from the terrible things of the world and and wish that they could live in just a perfect environment but i think the challenge and the epiphany that we have as mothers at least at some point is how did i learn the skills that i have learned to make myself an independent adult. And I look back on my life and those most difficult things that I had to go through as a child. For me, it was moving several places. And yes, I was bullied and learning to deal with the bullies, having a parent talk me through, okay, let's talk about how do we want to handle this situation and getting other adults involved when needed and stuff like that. Those were pivotal things that I know as I entered motherhood, I thought, I don't want my kids to go through that. I don't know. Maybe it's just becoming older and wiser, Deanne, (laughs) that you quickly realize teaching kids how to solve these problems and not just take over um, is is a critical thing towards becoming an independent adult where the slightest breeze doesn't just knock you over. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's like the analogy is these big, tall trees, especially redwoods, their roots are intertwined to keep them strong and keep them upright. And we need to be that support system for our children, but they have to still grow and stand by themselves. Mm. Maria Montessori said this, and I like this quote, if teaching is to be effective with young children, 
it must assist them to advance on the way to independence. Mm. You mentioned that people were helping you, friends, family, extended family, move through some of the issues you were having. And they were teaching you and training you how to overcome those things so you could do it in the best way for you. Yeah. So we as parents need to give our children those tools at age-appropriate levels mm-hmm. to help them become independent adults. I like something they said in the study guides from American Mothers, even uh, 20 years ago, was very relevant today, because you need to start where they're appropriate in their ages. They even broke down, and by age three, they're feeding themselves. When you think back when children are little, we clap and celebrate when they learn to crawl and stand and walk around the furniture when they walk and when they can eat with a spoon and a fork. We're celebrating those because they're on their way to becoming an independent adult. Mm-hmm. At the time, we don't think about that. No, that's true. We don't. But we're helping them learn their first steps. So they start early. Mm-hmm. And they smile. It's an it's an impulse, but we like to make them smile more, right? Because mm-hmm. we like to hear their giggle, their laugh. It just brings us joy. So as as they grow and become independent, it brings us joy too. I was with my son last night. I might get teary eyed. But your relationship changes, and it's not always teaching training. Sometimes they can teach and train you mm. when they get that skill, and you don't have it, and you want it. Mothers, we need to model what we'd like them to be. Mm. And if we don't train, if we aren't examples of that model, and or we don't train them how to gain those skills, then they're not going to progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're, you've hit on some amazing points there that help your child progress and learn these skills. It's in many tiny baby steps and it's important to let them fall so they can learn to walk. But the same principle applies, you know, as they're going into school and learning social skills and all of those steps and processes. And each child, Deanne, is so unique and different. I, I did not parent all of my children the same because they were very, very different. You can't, um, you can't. Um, I had one child that said, well, why are you doing that to me? What, why this? I said, I've never parented an 11 year old Gary before. So we're learning and this mm-hmm. is what's happening right now, but you didn't do that with my brother. Well, that's because he is new. Mm-hmm. We have to do things differently to help you learn the way you learn best. Yeah. And that's a challenge for mom. It is frustrating because one child might've been really good about picking their clothes or their toys or whatever. And the next child, no interest at all. (laughs) Boy. And, and managing money. I've been amazed how differently each of my children, even from the very get go, I had one that was a total saver. Like you could not pry two cents out of their hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you said, well, if you want that so bad, you can buy it that yourself and forget it. They would never buy themselves anything. Do you know? And then I had some that as soon as that money hit their hands, boy, it was burning a hole in their pocket and it was gone. You know what I mean? Yes. And so <clears throat> you have to parent each child with those unique things differently because you want to teach the saver 
okay, it's okay to save, but then what are you saving it for? What are your goals? Right, where where right. do you want to spend your money? And then teach the one that just wants to spend how to be more responsible and say, okay, let's learn to save. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's good if parents have the background with that too, and they mm. have that same mental strength to mm. save and move forward with that, then it's easier to teach children how to save. We did not do allowance in our home. Mm-hmm. I figured dusting the furniture, taking care of bathrooms, and uh, just maintaining the household was a family responsibility. It's just part of being a family and keeping the home in order for when their friends wanted to But we did have a jar. I think we mentioned this before, that we put extra chores in that they could get paid for those extra chores, mm. like wiping down the baseboards or wiping the fingerprints off the doorknob or just anything, go weed for 30 minutes or whatever we needed to have done. And they couldn't pick and choose what chore came out of that jar usually, but there was a monetary amount. So they would be able to earn money that they could go help grandma and grandpa mow the grass. Yeah, no, that, that was the big one. That was the big one for us was mowing the lawn, mowing and edging the lawn. But that also taught them a skill because my husband said, well, I want it done a certain way. I want you to mow and do a good job. And if you miss some spots, I'll take them back outside and show them, okay, do you see how you miss some of these little spots? Let's fix that. And then he taught him how to edge. So it was kind of very, very gradual. You know, it was first, I think I, I remember him helping my son when he was maybe eight or nine, our oldest, he'd stand behind him and show him how to push the lawnmower and then teaching him how to edge. That probably didn't come till they were early teens, just because it's a little more complicated of a chore. And then you blow, after you've edged, you blow everything off of the sidewalk so that you're not leaving everything everywhere. (laughs) And so it was, it was kind of a process to get them to learn that. And now we're at the point where we've got kids moving out and I'm like, oh, you mean we're going to have to mow the lawn again soon? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't had to do it in so long. I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves here. (laughs) We have grandchildren that are really happy to help us. There you go. That's what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) That's the advantage of having grandchildren close. Not everybody has that. But then we pay them too. So Mm -hmm. they can earn money doing Yeah, Not a lot, but they need to know that we appreciate that. That also... They have things they have to earn money. Absolutely. So I think that the takeaway there is give them responsibilities as they're able, as it becomes, like you said, age appropriate, when you feel they are ready and gradually introduce those things, let them show you what they did when they're done, praise them. And if there's something, oh, this is so great, give them the praise. And if there's something they need to increase and do better on, this is so wonderful. Look at these five things that you did right. But also, did you notice that over here, you missed a spot? And how can we fix that? So that doesn't happen next time. It's praising them for what they did right, but also helping them become better. And that's, that's really what it is. That's one of the, I think the biggest tricks to becoming a responsible adult is most people love being praised. So don't forget the praise, right? Don't let the negative 
outweigh the positive. And I think that's one of the skills I've had to learn as a parent is sometimes as a parent, you go in and you see the negative first. And so you have to kind of train your brain almost to say, okay, what did they do right first? (laughs) That is so true. Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll discuss a few more ways that you can help raise independent adults. American Mothers invites all fifth graders or equivalent to submit a hundred word essay on the topic, what my mother means to me. The contest is open from August 15th to December 15th. I think this is a great way to encourage children to write about someone they love. You will find the guidelines at AmericanMothers.org. Click on what we do. In the drop-down box, click on National Fifth Grade Essay. We'll be sure to put the link on the show notes. Encourage your fifth grader or equivalent if they're homeschooled to look into the National Fifth Grade Essay Contest and what my mother means to me. Welcome back. And today we are discussing how to raise independent adults. Deanne, you had a thought you wanted to start us off with on this second half. As I was reviewing some of the information that I have on raising children to be independent, one of the things that really struck me is we love our children, but our whole goal in life as mothers is to raise them to be independent adults. Mm. And when they're three years old, we don't always think about raising them to be independent adults. They're still our cute, cuddly little child that we don't want anything to happen to them. But by age three, they should be able to pick their own clothes and probably dress themselves. Most kids would love to do that. One mother said that she did not like mismatched clothes. (laughs) And so she would put the outfits on a hanger in the closet matched together so Mm. the child could take a choice, which outfit, pink, purple, blue, green, whatever, but it was matched because she did not like unmatched. You said <laughs> that didn't bother you. No, if they were picking their own clothes, I was thrilled. <laughs> so you didn't mind the plaid and the flower? Oh, it happens the... sometimes. It <laughs> happens sometimes. And I have one in particular that loves to wear super bold colors. And so, you know, I just kind of got to the point where I'm like, does this really matter, Tamara? Is it really important to you that they look a certain way? And I finally just decided, you know what, if they're happy choosing this, then I need to be okay with that. (laughs) I loved when you said that was something you want to deal with. I decided early on being a mother that there were battles that I wanted to pick that Mm -hmm. I wanted to deal with and some that really didn't make any difference. Yeah. My teenage daughters, at, oh, their hair, I'll tell you what, in the 80s, <laughs> the hair was big to my mom. And I was really proud when I finally did it myself. I curled it, combed it out. And she goes, oh, Deanne, what in the world have you done with your hair? I had to fix it before we went to someplace. And I was thinking, it looks so good. What was she, what was her issue? I couldn't understand that. So I figured hair was not going to be an issue. We had purple and green and pink and all sorts of colors and all sorts of styles. In fact, one of my daughters said a little while ago, she looked at one of her middle school pictures. She goes, how in the world could you let me go to school? (laughs) Are you kidding me? There's no way that I could do anything but let you go that way. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. And it really didn't make any difference. They're going to grow out of it. 
that, I mean, that's true. Just let them go. There's some yeah. things you just, like you said, it's not a battle. There's more important battles to pick than a hair. Yeah, than a Believe me, style. mothers, if you're not there yet, there are a whole lot more battles. <laughs> than that is very, very true. Of course, yeah. if it's important, it was important to my mother, but it it hurt the first time that she said that. Yeah. And so maybe you need to pause and think about what really is important in the long run for you and give them those opportunities as they progress and get older to choose to do their own hair. I know that my parents let me cut my hair. It was in the eighties. Ha ha ha. (laughs) And I remember that them having the discussion with me, if you get a perm, you're going to have to learn to take care of it. And I wanted a perm in the worst way and they let me do it. And there was some ugly years in there (laughs) where I had to learn. (laughs) I look back on my pictures and go, why did they let me do that? But I wanted to, like you said, I wanted to do it and it was the thing. And so I did, I had a big poofy perm for a long time. And it was a long time before I think I learned to style it effectively. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably enough of hair, but I think they get the point. <laughs> I think they get the point that there's a lot of things that are critical. Yes. What are the things that they that children need to discover for themselves? Yes. So is it your battle or your feelings or your frustration? Or is it a need for your child to grow and learn who they are? Yeah. And that's really hard. Okay. We can start giving our children chores little two, three years old, they can learn to put toys away. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to do it till they're five. And I'm sorry, children are pretty smart. And if they can manipulate you until they're five years old, it's going to be a hard thing to get around that, in my opinion. I don't have yeah. any studies on that except <laughs> personal experience. Well, well I, and- have, I guess I have eight studies on that, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you were also commenting that one of the things that you can do even with young children is do little pictures of what you want them to do before they can even read. Simple, simple things like you can pull the bedding up on your bed, make bed or brush teeth, give them a chance to brush their teeth. Um, I know that with children with special needs, that's one of the things they even use in the school system, especially if they have problems communicating verbally, like my sons with autism did, is they have things called pecs and they are visual images of what they want the child to do. And the same thing applies in motherhood before they can read, you can use little pictures, either you can draw them yourself or you can print them off the internet, just little pictures that you want them to do. Maybe it's a check thing. I know that I printed off pages before and I've stuck it in one of those, what are the plastic sheeting that you can put in binders and you can use a dry erase marker on that. If you're looking for something super simple, if you want to do a little more complex, you can use like Velcro and they move it to a certain spot when they're done. I've done things with pockets and you take it out of this pocket and you move it into this pocket. I mean, I, I tried so many things through the years to figure out, okay, what's going to work best in this stage. They're getting older. They can do more things. And, and sometimes when they were getting into those early teenage years, I would put a chore down and then I would put bullet points below the chore 
of what it entailed. Because sometimes I think in our minds, we have a chore in mind and we're like, I need you to uh, tidy and vacuum the living room. And in your mind, it means one thing. And in your child's mind, it means something completely different. And so spelling out, okay, cleaning the living room means picking up all the things off the floor, throwing away any trash, putting things away where they're supposed to go and vacuuming the whole thing, then putting the vacuum away. So spelling out the steps so that they can be successful and know exactly what is expected of them, because that's what's going to be expected in real life when they get to be adults. They're going to have assignments when they go to school. They're going to have things for work where things are expected to be done a certain way. And learning that is an independent skill, right? Absolutely. What did you do? I was reading a book, Sidetrack Home Executives. And it was really good for me because you start doing one thing. Well, it's kind of like Angela told us when we were redoing a house several podcasts ago you take a box in there that this doesn't belong here another box throw away and and you go to a room and you stay in one room so because I used to oh this doesn't belong here and I'd walk in the other room and to put it away and then oh whoa this needs to do this and <laughs> you get sidetracked you forget what you were doing so if you're you can teach your children those same principles mm. so if you have here's a trash box here's a this does not belong here box and that was helpful for me and in helping my children to not get distracted. Mm-hmm. We're all so easily distracted. There's so many oh, amen. Now, something else. I liked my children to get up and do things and get them done in the morning so they'd go play. But it got to the point that I like to sleep in on Saturday a little bit. So I slept <laughs> in and by the time I got up, my kids were on cartoons already. So I didn't just go up and say, okay, slam off the TV. Okay, kids, time to do work. I know how I feel when I'm in the middle of a program and someone comes and disrupts what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's very rude. So I would wait for commercial. Then I'd go stand in front of the TV. Say, when this program is over, this is what's going to happen. You've got the things to get done. Then you can come back. Of course, that was before DVRs and... On demand, mm-hmm. they just missed out totally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was okay. I was cartoons, but they remember some of those cartoons even to today. But they also remember that I did not interfere with them finishing. Yeah, I think you've hit on something here because I've noticed this, especially as my kids have gotten older, that when they are in the middle of watching a YouTube video or something like that, and it's dinner time. I know that I need to start giving them like a heads up. Hey, we are going to be eating dinner in 10 minutes. I need you to make sure you're not on a live video game so that you're delaying the whole family. It's part of teaching them to be responsible, but sometimes we need to put some little things in there to remind ourselves how to parent (laughs) kids with technology. It's tricky. And I know that setting limits is important and and parameters. And so it's one of those things you just kind of take one step at a time and decide what is right for you and your child and your family, right? Right, absolutely. Another question that has been brought is, is what is the impact of media on children zero to five? And, and how does mm. it impact them moving into the future? And, and 
we're trying to find someone that will help us understand that a little bit better. When you kids become a teenager, they need to know these life skills. They mm -hmm. need to know how to clean a bathroom. They need to know how to wash dishes. My mother had gone to work. I used to think I didn't have working mother, but actually my mother did work. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think about that because I always felt like she was there. Mm. Except when I go home from school in the days I had to cook meals because she was at work. Right. Um, so I learned, but I had some favorite things. I, I cooked probably three nights a week. And that was a good experience. I'm mm -hmm. a pretty good cook. I know how to put things together. I can follow recipes. And that's part of the thing you have to learn to do when you're older. Mm -hmm. When you are independent, you need to learn how to maintain your health with good food mm -hmm. and a clean environment. So we need to do this while they're young. And then it's not easy. Every day is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Every day, putting the toys away. I want to share a couple of things that women taught me when I was a young mother. One was Emma Milano. She was a single mom. She was also the mayor of the city in Arizona where I was living. When you have children, you can't keep it clean all the time. No. And uh, it is so frustrating. You think, oh, I've got to be clean all the time. But she said, you need to realize that look at a scientist, look at people in the workforce. Everything is in order at night. When they leave, when they get there the next day, they can do what they need to do. But in your house, you get up and do your daily routines. You get up, you make your bed, you brush your teeth, you eat your breakfast, whatever order you want to do that in, and you're prepared for the day. And then you do the dishes. So at the beginning of the day, after the morning routine's done, your house is still in order because from the night before, my mother said, you put your house to bed every night. Make oh. sure everything's put away. Put your house to bed. And that's how she did it. That's how I was raised. So Elma, I could do that. But then she said, you need to remember during the day, you're raising your children, you're teaching them, you're taking care of things. And so your home is not always in perfect order. Mm. Just like a scientist, a scientist is in the middle of experiments and investigations all day long. And that's what you're doing with your children. Mm -hmm. So if someone comes in during your work time and teaching your children, there's no need to apologize. Mm -hmm. for the way your house looks because you are in your space of educating and teaching mm -hmm. and sharing with your family because at night it's going to be put to bed you're going to put your house to bed and it'll be fine so there's no reason for us to apologize I did still apologize because sometimes I didn't get my house put to bed the night before oh. I woke up to that the next morning there are and many times my married. house wasn't great. <laughs> there were times that I wouldn't let my mother come into my house. Really? No, because I wasn't in a place that I wanted to share my <laughs> workspace with her at the time. <laughs> and I think it hurt her feelings, but I knew how she would react. Mm, yeah. Because it's interesting. Different generations uh, had different expectations. I know I reached a point where I was just like, it doesn't matter. They're just going to pull it out in the morning anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. That is so true. And sometimes yeah. I was so exhausted by the time I went to bed that I was just like, I can't. And, and give yourself the grace to just say, there's going to be times like that and maybe weeks and maybe months. And it's okay. Especially when you're dealing with life hurdles that are dramatic, you know, right. give yourself the grace that 
life is going to look different for you and for your family at different stages and phases, depending upon the stressors you're all facing. Yeah, life happens. Yeah. And I think that's important to teach children as well. You can help with this process. And there's going to be times when we're going to be on the ball about it. And there's times when we're going to let it go and it's going to be okay. So you'll know what's right for your family, right? Right. right. And the thing also about letting it go, it's important to let our children feel successful in what they do. And like you said, if they didn't do it right, they need to learn to do it right. Correct those. It's not a failure. A lot of people don't like the word failure, but it happens. Maybe failure is not the best word, but it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience, right? Yeah. And we lift them and train them to reach beyond Mm -hmm. that and be perfected. I mean, we can all do jobs perfectly well. We don't always do them perfectly well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just do them because they have to be done and we do as minimal a job as we need to. Yeah. But But don't um, you think that's also learned by example, teaching them uh, that sometimes I'm as a parent, I'm going to do things perfect and exactly right, because it's what needs to be done in a certain circumstance. And other times, you know what, this is good enough because I don't have the time to do it perfectly and it's going to be okay if I don't. And so teaching them that there are times when, yes, you need to step it up, but we need to model this by example. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way, probably. I think in college, I remember my husband, we got married closer towards my junior, senior year of college. And I remember being exhausted one night. I was pregnant with our first baby and sick as a dog. And and I had a paper due and him just saying, Tamara, just write a C paper. And I looked at him and I'm like, I don't know how. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I've never, I've never had, that was just not how I was raised. I was raised that you do everything perfectly. And so I think in child that sometimes you're going to write that a paper. I mean, that was me. I was the perfectionist and I had to gradually learn, especially parenting. I think parenting, I learned that, okay, everything is not going to be perfect all the time, but teaching kids, I wish I would have learned that younger. Do you know what I mean? I wish that, that my parents would have taught me. And this is something I tried to teach my children. I have one, especially who has a propensity towards perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I finally had to sit them down and say, you know what? You have a 98 in this class. And if you don't turn that assignment in, you're still going to have an A it's okay. You're exhausted. It's late. You need to go to bed and teaching the prioritizer health because that's an adult skill is learning to decide what is the highest priority here. And sometimes it's just, you need to go to bed. <laughs> right. Right. That's true. When you think about teaching them to become responsible adults, I think that's part of it. And if they can't get the job done, if it's a work assignment, let the boss know, hey, ran out of time or there's too many details or whatever it is, but you need to verbalize that. That's part of the communicating it. This whole thing is about communication. Yes. Training your children is all about, that's another whole topic. Um, Oh, yes. But communication is so critical and you need to communicate with love. Mm -hmm. We don't feel like we're doing a good enough job or we didn't teach someone enough. 
or this child is really not going to get it, I've got to let you know that there are some of my children that I never thought would learn the skill of finishing a job. <laughs> yep. But now they are all successful. They're well-renowned at their workplaces. And it's okay. You do your best. They know you love them and you're helping them. And they'll take it from there eventually. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel like they're doing it when they're at home, you are teaching and training them as long as you love them and support them and teach them consistently Mm -hmm. and with that love that you have for them as a mother. Yeah. Well, I think we've just, we've hit on a number of things and we probably dove into stories and stuff like that from our own personal experiences that were funny and, and true to life. But I hope that what you take from this is that Number one, love is important. And number two, model the behavior you want them to learn. And sometimes that means you're going to have to learn to do it yourself and teach them by example. So do your best and know that ideas will come on how you should parent specific children. I know I had to learn so many new skills, especially as I had some diagnosed on the autism spectrum. I had to learn new skills. I didn't know how to parent a child with autism. And so don't be embarrassed if you have to start at ground zero and learn new skills, because believe it or not, learning new skills for your unique child will probably help you become a better parent overall. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to come back next week, mom to mom. And before we close, we want to be sure to invite you to join us next week. We are going to be talking about how to teach your children how to deal with anger. And that's something, I don't know about you, but I think we can all use a little bit of help and tips on that one. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members, or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify, the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.